0: Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What's going on? Coach Luca back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. We had a little bit of a break. Uh, Didn't keep it as consistent as I have right now for the last two some years. We had a couple weeks, a break there in between. And, um, Obviously everybody knows what's going on. It's not one of those things that uh the whole world doesn't know. So what what I'm not gonna do on this episode uh is dive crazy deep into what's going on with COVID, the gym, what we're doing, um any of that stuff. I may I may touch, you know, touch on it a little bit. Cause in many ways, like I wanted it to be I wanted to continue with what the Vigor Life podcast is about, which is sharing Principles, strategies, stories, um, inspiring with you know knowledge that helps people become better coaches, helps them become better humans. Um, we're going to continue doing that. Now, I'm not saying that you know I would say that this situation is, that we're in, and we're we're definitely all you know all in it together, uh, that it's not something that we shouldn't talk about. Actually, you know, we spent a lot of episodes and webinars. Um, on my other podcast called the Yo the, Bus- the Business and Fitness Podcast with Steve Krebs. If you guys want to check that out, uh, we talk about a lot about like you know what we've done at the gym, what we're doing, um, how we've adapted, what's coming, you know what the future looks like, all those different things, uh, which obviously very, very very important. But once again what I, what I also wanted to do is you know one of the things that day to day I, you know, we've we've been shut down as a gym, but I, I come to the gym because I work here and it gives me a structure and a schedule. And I think it's very important that people create and continue to have structures and schedules so that they stay productive, they stay hopeful, they stay inspired. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have tough times. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a roller coaster of emotions. It doesn't mean that uh, you don't care or you pretend like things aren't different. Uh, none of that. But really, it's it's kind of like that. Adage is like do the best that you can with what you got, right? And really, that's what it is. Um, and and once again, I am I am definitely a believer of you know I've been through a fair share, and I say that lightly, uh, of crazy things in my life, meaning uh, situations that were personally, uh, I would say, uh, you know, personal adversity, or I would say external adversity, like it is now, which obviously create, creates personal adversity as well. In 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 somehow some way. Um, I'll say I find myself being laser-focused in, in, in crazy times like this. Maybe because it's that survival mold and I just you know, go savage and whatnot. But, um, but one of the things, like I said, that I found you know is to be able to continue to do things that make you better and everybody around you better, um, you know, so more supportive. right? So if it helps you be better for yourself, you're better for others, you're better for your teams, your communities. And that's a win-win situation. So today... What we're going to do is, you know, we had a ton of questions coming in. I've been saving them because I, I posted it a couple of times uh, about the questions for the podcast and then didn't shoot it. So they kind of, uh, I would say, they bundled up. Let's just say they bundled up. Sipping here on my energy drink. Um, but so what we're going to do is we're going to answer some that actually, and, and some of them are going to go a little bit deeper into the content. Like, So I might spend, uh, I got a couple of questions to answer that are definitely going to be a little bit longer answers. <laughs> and some are going to be more rapid fire. But we have some we have some great questions. And uh, it's going to cover a lot, of, a lot of training topics today for sure. Uh, and then some of it is going to be mindset. Some of it is going to be business. A lot of a lot of training stuff though. Some of it is going to be communication. I got some really cool stuff to share with communication. I actually got some um, notes ready and things pulled out here. So I make sure that I give you guys the fire. <laughs> so uh, one of the things, somebody... It was actually a response. It was a DM to um, an exercise I was doing these sissy squats with with chains with a little bit of TRX hold for like super high reps, and uh, and I mentioned something in the in the story uh, about you know building tendons, and, and and they asked like, hey, what are you, what are you doing there? Um, you talk about building tendon strength that people don't talk about that, and. You know, can you tell me a little bit more about that? And i i didn't I didn't really answer. Um, I mean, I sent a short response, but this is the long answer. Um, and Christian Thibodeau wrote, uh, I think it was I think it was an article. I don't know if it was a Facebook post, or an article um, that was really good about it. And so I'm pulling out a bunch of different notes on this because I think it's a very, very, very important topic. Uh, you know, one of the things like back in the day when I was younger and you know, one of our strength and conditioning coaches when I was playing ball was saying... Because I had some friends that were, you know, using steroids and doing bodybuilding stuff. And at a younger age, having a lot of, you know, tendon issues. And my, my s and coach then was like, hey, like, you know, those guys are building muscle. But their tendons aren't keeping up. Their tendons tendons are being built up. So they're actually going to have a lot of issues and injuries. And, and and all of that stuff was true. But here's here's the thing. Like, this is, you know, it's actually... One of the kind of missing puzzle pieces, I feel like a lot of times in performance when it comes to strength and power. Because when it when it comes to building strength, uh, everybody wants to talk about you know best exercises, uh, loading methods. So I mean you know we we talked about this right? Mechanical tension, muscle damage, metabolic stress—the top three uh, keys to building muscle. And so people want to talk about that, which obviously very important. Uh, but then people want to talk about the coolest tools, you know, the and like I said, exercises before and different methods and stuff that's cool. But, you know, we also often discuss muscle mass to increase the potential to produce more force and neuro efficiency. Because remember, right, like CNS is such an important thing when it comes to strength and power and even building muscle. Um, to be able to use your muscles to the fullest, right? But one thing we rarely talk about, And it's ironic. I mean, think about this. What's the last time you heard somebody go, hey, what are you doing for your tendon strength (laughs) or tendon development in your training, right? You just don't hear it. Um, But it might be one of these like really, really, not might, I believe it is, but as I say might, it might be one of these very important elements to being very resilient and bulletproof and and being the best athlete you can be. And, you know, when I say athlete, like, look, I always say like the athlete of life, right? Do you want to be less injury, you know, uh, less injury prone? Do you want to, uh, be more resilient? Do you want to be able to handle more stuff? Uh, and I can't tell you how many people in the last two to three years that are close friends of mine, it used to be athletes, you know, tore an Achilles tendon, ACL tear, um, you know, they tore tendons. So when we talk about tendons, we have to talk about, there's, there's two really th- things that we want to talk about when it comes to that. Um, it's the thickness of the tendon, uh, the structural changes that the tendon obviously goes through, as well as the, the rigidity and solidity of it, right? So we can, um, and also, you know, what's, what's also important, I've, I've mentioned this before, is desensitizing the Golgi tendon organ um, because, it, I might be coughing a little bit. Don't get tripped out, guys, don't get tripped out. Um, but uh, the Golgi tendon, like I, I've said this before, right? Think about any time you've done like a dumbbell bench press or whatever, and you're really pushing it, right? And then that last rep, like you go and push, 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 and your arm just gives out, right? That's the Golgi tendon. It's basically a protective mechanism that, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a safety mechanism that goes, oh, too much tension, like, I'm going to shut it down so you don't hurt yourself, right? And everybody's experienced that. And there's, there's ways to desensitize the Golgi tendon. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. I mean, there's, you know, lifting heavy weights is one of them, obviously, but, but we're going to go a little bit into that. But here's the thing, right? Right? All of those that I just mentioned, so the thickness, of structural changes, the rigidity, solidity, and obviously desensitizing the Golgi tendon can play a really big impact on strength and power gains. Um, and I, I think just health in general, uh, you know what I mean? So here, let's, let's touch on tendon thickness and strength a little bit. So a, tender, a, ten, a thicker tendon is a stronger tendon, right? It's like, duh. <laughs> but that's, that's important to understand because people don't really talk about that much, right? And it can store more potential energy during an eccentric, so a negative action, right, which can be then used for a concentric lifting action. So, obviously, like, let's just take a squat, right? You go down. So, a thicker tendon is a, a stronger tendon. It can use more energy eccentrically going down, so then you can use more going up, right? I always tell people when they jump, like, hey, if you apply force fast down, you're going to apply it fast back up, right? So, the, and the thicker tendon also tends to have a, uh, you know, powerful, more powerful stretch reflex, which can increase strength, power, and agility. Let's just take the elastic band, right? Think a thinner elastic band. Stretch the sucker out. Flick it, right? Now take a thicker elastic band. Like, which one is going to have more power and force is going to fly further? You're absolutely right. The thick one. Um, and the thing is, and here's the, here's the kicker that I said before. On top of that, the thicker tendon is less likely to be torn, right? So, and and... Remember, we talk so much about threat to the brain. So as a result of obviously that thicker tendon being less likely to be torn, being more safe, the the body feels safer when the tendons are larger, right? And that's what leads to the Golgi tendon uh, being less sensitive. It's one of the things, right? You build a thicker tendon, the brain feels safer, the Golgi tendon actually becomes less sensitive and allows you to do more, right? Because your muscles are able to do more, than what you're usually able to do in the gym that's why that's why beginners right think about beginners they progress so fast because you're training the nervous system like in, in a lot the nervous system gets better more efficient at lifting the weight and contracting the fibers but also the brain is like oh okay like he can do this this person can do this right so the gto's that's the golgi tendon organ right so that's i know it sounds like a car like, Why did Lucas start talking about cars? No, it's the GTO is the Golgi tendon organ. That's what it stands for. Um, they're basically a protective mechanism your tenders. They're roles to prevent you from tearing yourself apart by producing more force than your structure can handle, right? So that's literally why it's there. If the, if the brain is like, your structure can't handle this, it's going to downregulate the, the, the force that your muscles can produce, right? And when the GTO sense that you're producing too much force for your own safety, it's going to inhibit that force production, going back to that example of, for instance, like giving out on the dumbbell bench press. That's just the easy one. Cause I'm almost sure everybody has been on the bench has done that. Like I got one more, I got one more, I got one more, you know, and then it's just like, it buries you. And, but it's not like, it's not a, it's not a slow transition. You just like give out. That's the gold you tender right there. Right. And the thing is that this safety mechanism is extremely conservative. Right. This is what I was saying. Like an untrained individual can use about 30 to 40 percent of their muscle potential. Think about that. Right. Only 30 to 40 percent of their muscle potential. Of course, the more heavy training that you do, the more you convince, you know, you, you convince the GTOs that it's safe to lift heavy weight and they can become desensitized over time. And you may, you know, here's a cool like example. Like and you guys have probably heard, you know, the the crazy stories of this is this one's actually true where older lady, I think it was like in her 50s, you know, uh, saw a baby stuck under a car and was about to die. And I don't know how this happened, but she ended up running up to the car and lifting the car. And this wasn't a trained individual. She was able to lift the car and save the baby, right? Because that threat response, you know, and obviously the adrenaline pump and all the chemicals going, like they desensitized um, the 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 GTO. And the whole point of it is like, that was her Using maximum potential to a degree that even, you know, maybe some, something tore. And I don't know. I don't know the whole story. But the point is that untrained individuals can only use about 30% to 40% of their muscle potential, right? And so he, lifting heavier is one of the ways that you convince, uh, you know, the, the Golgi tendon to, that's lifting heavy weight is safe uh also why like eccentrics are great by the way right like doing negatives like you uh, like lately i've been posting some videos of me doing a weight releaser bench so you know on the top of the bench i'm i'll have like 375 uh and i have weight releasers on there and so i'm controlling it down for five to six seconds because you can control a lot more weight negatively eccentrically than you can concentrically And then as I come down all the way, the weight releases will release. And then on the way up, I'm doing, you know, 255, 245 for an explosive five. Um, Like that's one way of doing it. Uh, Another way of desensitizing the GTO is to make the tendon thicker, right? So we talked about like you can go heavier, obviously heavier strength training in in, in those like that three to five, one to five rep range is is obviously a good thing. But the other way is basically making your tendon thicker and a thicker tendon is less likely to be torn and basically makes the body feel safer so you can lift heavier weights voila right so um and, and like i said which you consider the thicker tendons less likely to be injured which should allow you to you know basically avoid any training interruptions which we all know has a, a big ass negative effect right you get injured that's the, the shittiest part of uh i would say with training because you're taking steps back right uh so to, re- to just to, let's let's get back to this uh Tendon thickness plays a role in strength production by increasing how much potential energy you can store to be used during lifting, making the stretch reflex more powerful, decreasing the sensitivity of the protective mechanisms, which we talked about the GTO, and reducing the risk of injuries. Those are all these benefits, right? Now, so, okay. So, tendon thickness, and how does it play a role in speed, power, and agility, right? So, we know that the thicker tendons lead to more powerful stretch reflex, which well, of course... Then allow you to do what? Well, shit, produce more power, right? Uh, but let's look at that a little bit, right? Because I, I do feel like I'm spending a little bit more time on this because it's just a topic that doesn't get talked much about. And honestly, it's like I've been, in, you know, I've been doing this in my training, and I just don't talk about it much. But it is important, right? So, so, so here I am making sure that this gets rubbed in pretty well, so you start doing that. And I'll give you some. I'll give you guys some. Um, uh, some, some methods as well So it's not just all theory and stuff Right So a thicker 10 Will be able to more absorb more force it, it's, it's basically a more effective sh- You know Shock absorber if, if we go back to the car analogy Right we, When you're sprinting Every time You've heard this Right Like every time your foot strikes the ground You're, you're absorbing about Four to six times your body weight and, and it occurs fast Like in a fraction of a second So uh, Which is why You know Actually I was just doing hill sprints On Friday And had a, a minor pull of my, my hammy Um pretty feels pretty damn good but i'm saying because i was I, i'm tell, you know we're always educating the members and saying like hey you can lift heavy you can be really trained but you have to still you know i, I would say train those tissues to be able to f- absorb these forces and the only thing that can match sprinting is sprinting uh and we'll do another we'll do a whole another episode on that uh i'm actually going to try to uh, not try i'm gonna during this quarantine i'm gonna do some non-live well we'll do live stuff through the computer but not live here in the studio. Um, but I'm going to get my friend Stu McMillan, who is the genius you know, behind Altus. Uh, obviously, probably the number one you know, sprinting place on the planet. I was just in Arizona hanging out with him. Uh, absolutely a genius guy. So Altis, Stu McMillan, you guys please follow him because honestly, like he, he's the Don Dotto on that. But we will talk more about sprinting and, and how to prepare for that. Um, but going back to that, that I think a tendon will be a lot more effective absorbing a force instead of dissipating force by having a long longer absorption phase right so as a result you're capable of more rapidly switching from absorption which is when the foot hits the ground to projection i'm using these obviously s and c phrases here because um i'm, I'm just so used to <laughs> stuff that i've studied right so as you got absorption projection and that's when the, you know the foot pushes away from the ground and produces the movement in in, in sprinting and agility whatever else we're doing so that shorter transition period will make you faster in itself, but since you're absorbing and storing more energy, you'll increase the speed by having a stronger push. You see, like, so that's, that's where that comes into play, um, and, if, and of course, the more powerful stretch reflex also increases, increases push power, which will make you faster, which will make you apply more force to the ground, right? So fragility, kind of similar, right? The thicker tendons allow you to switch more rapidly from one you know, from uh, absorbing your body weight force to producing the force away. Very, very simple, right? And the push in different direction will be stronger, more powerful, and it will just make the change of direction better. So you see what I'm saying? Strength, uh, speed, agility, power, win, 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 right? Like it works in all – and, of course, injury prevention, which probably is, to me, almost for the people that we train because we're probably 80% general population, you know, 20% athletes, uh, Important. It's important for everybody. So how to get thicker tendons? Well, you know, super high reps is one of them. And there's a number of different things. I, you know, I think I probably, actually, I studied all the old texts from Verhoshansky to Zatsyorsky to Mel Sif to Tutor Bampa, Thomas Kurtz. Actually, Thomas Kurtz in the Science of Sports Training um, talks about this. Louis Simmons, Louis Simmons talked about it in Westside Barbell Methods, uh, West Side Barbell Method, like a lot. Uh, because he studied a lot of a lot of uh, those older texts, obviously, but Kurtz recommended uh, 50 to 100 reps sometimes as high as even like 150 two two plus to improve the tendons. Um, I used to do it when I was like a lot younger like actually uh, when I started training with uh my blank and I John was a you know super high level track and field coach that trained Marilyn Uh so he he was also one of these people that showed me this and I was like 16 seventeen back then. Uh, and it was mostly for injury prevention. Uh, but for instance, like if you, you know, I just brought, brought up my my um, pulling my hammy a little bit, and I really haven't had historically in my life that many. Considering the the the, the sports that I've played and how long, how long I've played and the levels I've played with, I haven't had a lot of hamstring injuries. I mean, I had I've had some for sure, but uh, for myself and when I you know trained a bunch of football players, which uh, I still trained some of the Seahawks in and out depending uh still train a bunch of high school and college football players and you know we'll, we'll do like a routine will be like two times 100 reps on things like band curls or even rdls like lighter rdls uh and depending right even like hip thrusts uh like i said remember it's that bent position yes it's not that end range but i like training that too so it's like 100 rep uh, 100 rep sets with stuff like that i'll give you guys some exercise in a second right so but but you know, why, you know, why does that work? Well, tendons have like just very little vascularization, which probably explains a little bit of why high reps uh, will develop the tendons and potentially also speed up tendon recovery by increasing the capitalization of it. But in, in you know, for instance, like the last time I had some, some hammy strain, actually, I, I, <laughs> I actually injured my popliteus. I know, say say that, say that again, popliteus. It, it kind of feels like a hammy injury. This was like a couple of years ago. Um, but it's actually right behind the knee this this muscle that kind of comes across the knee that di- diagonally um and that was one of the first things that I did for recovery was actually hundred rep sets of just body weight stuff um but anyways i I kept using this method with with myself and athletes uh, in the early p- phases of uh prep um but but then you know i like now I understand more that it can be used to improve performance based on um based on the stuff that I was just sharing with you, right, so, and, and if you go to, if you go to, like, Louis Simmons special strength development for all sports, you'll, you'll kind of, you'll get a snippet of the improvement in performance in there, so, all right, so here, here's a couple, like, I'm not going to give you too much, but here's, here's some stuff that you could do these super high rep sets with, uh, banded leg, leg curls, uh, obviously, if you have a hamstring curl machine, you could do that, uh, but banded leg curls, tricep extensions, band pull-aparts, glute pull through so like think about cable pull throughs banded pull throughs for glutes um i do like stuff like i mean uh rdls as well and you can do banded rdls uh you could also do you know lighter dumbbell rdls uh perfectly fine and they're great what's so cool about is that they they can be you know restorative in nature like these 100 rep sets can be restorative in nature to get blood flowing um uh, also in you know so they're, they're not they're not strenuous on your central nervous system you can do it two, three times a week. Um, but here, here's, okay, you can do it two, three times a week, but with clients only train, you know, most of your clients, well, um, our clients usually train three to four times a week. Uh, you know, you can put these in at the end of the workout, right? They're low stress. They can be done le- uh, daily. Uh, is Basically, uh, the way I, I'll kind of do it most of the time is plan for a certain total number of reps um, and, and try to do it in as few, as few sets as possible, right? So, that's, that's a great way of doing it, uh, especially if you're doing it towards the end of a training session with, with clients. It's usually a, a good good way to go about it. Um, all right, one, one second while I sip on this bang energy drink real quick. All right, so second part of this is the thicker tendons part, and this is the loaded stretching, all right? So, man, the first time I, I got into loaded stretching was Pabu and This is like in the late 90s, early 2000s. And I, you know, I went through every everything that he put out, um, and so, anyways, it was great. And I, and I'm one of those people that some people ask me, you know, about, uh, you know, me doing mobility and stuff like that. I mean, I've been doing it for 20 years, uh, and I was thankful that I learned from. I mean, even even when we're my S&C coach that uh, back then in Slovenia, I mean, those guys were heavily influenced by, I would say, the Eastern Bloc and and the methods of training there. But we would do you know, loaded stretching, we do, you know, PNF stuff back then, you know, and and what, what today, you know, some of the pails and rails system of FRC, I mean, obviously, that's way more detailed now, but uh, I would be doing that, right? And I would be doing a lot of it, you know, we're doing track and field workouts, and we're doing loaded stretching. So, but basically, loaded stretching will increase tendon thickness and the resiliency as well, as as well as create uh, distal muscle hypertrophy, right? Both of which make muscle tendons less likely to tear. So, this is, this is that end range, right? So as, as we talked about, from a performance standpoint, thicker tendons allow you to store more elastic energy and stronger tendons allow you to make better use of that elastic energy during you know, the, the concentric part of the movement, like so the positive part, not negative. So thickening the tendons will only make you less prone to serious injuries, but also make you stronger, more explosive, right? And, and loading stretching refers to holding a position where the target muscle is under load while being stretched. All right, so think uh, end of range of muscle, not of joint. Uh, Jay Faroujian and I talked about this, uh, I would say, quite a bit as far as, you know, sometimes people will take the movement. Like there, there's an end of range for the muscle, and sometimes you can go further, and that's the end of the range for the joint. So in this case, we don't, so, you know, an example would be like if you're in a squat position and you're sitting all the way down, but that's not, you know, now you're not getting full stretch in the muscle, like you're, you're sitting on your joints, so we're not talking about that, right, so we're talking about end range of the muscle, so think like in a dumbbell bench or a barbell bench, right, where you come down and you feel that full stretch, but you, but the thing is, but your humerus isn't flying forward, right, the pec isn't full stretch, so we have to understand anatomy a little bit here to, in, in each individual person's joint positioning, right, and we're not going to go into that too much, but here, here's a here's a, a just a good method for tendon strengthening like sets of 60 75 maybe even 90 seconds uh i like those and it you know usually if you start going past 75 90 if you can hold the weight for longer than that it's probably too light and you can from for me it's like shooting for a total uh time under load for about three minutes right so that means you're going to do two two maybe three sets of it okay and like, I, I, I like to use loaded stretching at the end of a workout for a muscle movement pattern that was trained that day. Uh, it's also going to contribute to muscle growth. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's an amazing method, right? So, and, and there's, you can you can dig into this. Like, I, I mean, you can go to, shit, like, T Nation probably. Elite FTS has a bunch of stuff on it. I know Thibs has a bunch of articles on it, specifically on it. Like, I, I actually posted, they're probably lost somewhere in IG of me doing these glute stretch uh, glute stretches at the end of my leg workout, they're pretty brutal, Uh, weighted like pigeons, Um, obviously doing just a quasi-iso, you know, pec, like feet elevated push-up position for that long is challenging, and if it's too easy, you add a vest, if it's too easy, you add chains, Uh, if it's too easy, you can add bands, right, so there's so many different things that you can do, Uh, same thing with bicep stuff, like I'll do an incline bench and get to that end range stretch position, um, and really feel that, so you're leaning back, so that muscle has tension on the end ranges, right, so there's a lot of different ways that you can obviously do that, but uh, it's definitely something that I believe is not a cool thing, like, you know, just because I said, it, it's like, yo, I, there's this cool thing Luca told me about, like, man, it's a secret, I I really do think this is something everybody should do, um, Oh, one 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 that I, I forgot was actually the thing that I got the message from, which is sissy squats, right, so, where you're standing on your toes completely upright as possible, and then you push your knees forward uh, as far as you can to stretch the quad. And it, like for for people that still believe that you know getting your uh, knees past your toes, let alone being on your toes, is bad for you, will probably cringe. But this is great. Like Steve Maxwell actually was the person that taught me about super high rep hundred you know hundred rep sissy squats, and that's what he was doing, like building t- uh, the tendon strength. Uh, tendon tendon thickness and so I'll do those now as supersets uh, in one of my lower body sessions for instance I won't do a hundred but I'll do like 25 to 30 loaded and controlled like five seconds down five seconds up they're brutal horrific (laughs) horrific straight up for real Um, but but man but it works and, and what you're doing is like you're strengthening those tendons and a lot less knee issues you know I've had a couple of people when I posted some of these videos on on IG and I'm up against the wall, up on my toes, butt up against the wall upright, and then driving my knees completely as far forward past my toes as I can, uh, loading, and it, that actually also, uh, strengthens the, the Achilles tendon, right, because the Achilles is under a lot of load there too, and the calves, and makes them more resilient, so, and you know, I had some people like, what are you doing, you're going to destroy people's knees, obviously, uh, Obviously, those folks haven't done uh, much, I would say, anatomy, kinesiology, biomechanics, and understanding of, of what happens structurally and set principles and so on and so forth. So, uh, but trust me on this. Now, you know, and of course, like if your knee's banged up, you know, maybe you have to find a cause and reduce inflammation before you do that. But, they, you know, that's, that's once again, that, that's individualization and it's, it's kind of like another story. Okay. Uh, all right. So, here's what we're going to do because that one was in depth. I hope you like that. I hope you enjoy that. Um, I'm looking through my snapshots, going back to my snapshots right here. I'm going to pick some questions. So some of these might be a little bit more rapid fire. Let's see. Let's see. Um, Refined by Tim asks, how do you know when to apply specific exercises over others? Definitely a loaded question. I mean, step one, what exercises can a person do, right? What's counterintuitive for them? Meaning, let's do a simple example, right? If I'm if I'm doing an assessment and a person can't pass an overhead flexion test, uh, are we going to be pressing overhead? Answer, no. So now, it gives me... Like, if I want to develop their their chest and their shoulders, I got options. My options can be things like a, a landmine press. They can be an incline bench press. They can be a yoga push-up, right? Even more regressed. They can be cable presses in a certain direction where they still have that range of motion. So first of all, it's like their ability, right? I mean, assessing what they... Can do in a safe way. Uh, from there, you go. You know, also what's better for their goal. So, you know, can can they squat? Okay, cool. But now, is a barbell squat best for them? Well, if they're a power lifter, then maybe maybe we're gonna have to barbell squat. But first of all, I, you know, if if you can't squat well, and I put a barbell on your back, and and now all of a sudden, it, you know, puts you into an extension, and you're you're you know you're tucking your pelvis too much at the bottom and you're butt winking and right then we're gonna go to a front squat or a double kettlebell squat because that's gonna put you in a better position that's gonna be safer and safety first for everything right safety first when it comes to exercises period uh, even to a degree people should a lot of still shit on you know uh machines and i used to like 10 years 10 years ago seven years ago but now i'm like man machines are great like i love machines uh you know i mean great hamstring curls or or or, or leg presses and stuff obviously not as functional sometimes to put in a gym if you're a gym owner like me uh, of of the space that I am. But man, like they, I, I use those in a smart way, and and they have their place if you do if you do things the right way. So you know how do you how do you apply specific exercises? Well, for assessing the person for what he they can can do safely, and then we look at goals, right? Like what are they trying to achieve, and then based on their assessment and the goals that they're trying to achieve, like what is going to be the best fit then. I think that this is also very important. Not people talk about it. What do they want? What do they like? Right? If a person's like, man, Luca, I, phew, I hate Bulgarian split squats. And I re- listen, and I remember a phase where I didn't want to do Bulgarian split squats for like nine months. I did so much. I was like, yo, I'm not. I'm not doing a Bulgarian split squat for nine months. I don't like. I'm not putting in my own program. Don't anybody else put in my program. I, I can't do it. I could do lunges. But I just couldn't do Bulgarians. Anyway, so if you got a person that's like, oh my. Fuck, like I hate Bulgarians. Be like, okay, cool. Which one do you want to do? You want to do uh, front foot elevated reverse lunges? Do you want to do a landmine reverse lunge? Do you want to do a step up? Uh, Do you want to do a Bulgarian? Knowing that they want to to do Bulgarian. But if they're like, oh man, I love step ups. All right, great. We're going to put step ups in the program, right? Like you got to, that's the other thing. Because remember that consistency, you know, comes down to also a person enjoying their training. So with that said, I would say that uh, that's that's one of the things that that uh, that I would those are those are kind of like the three to four factors that I think uh, you should kind of put into play. Hopefully that answers that question. Uh Sparrow, Sparrow tag I hope I said that right. Sparrow tag asks, would you recommend conjugate for a beginner lifter? when is the right time to try it? Um, see the thing is I, I I think that it can be used. For a beginner, no problem. Um, because all that conjugate does is, because remember, you can do conjugate like splits. Like this is still my favorite split of all time, by the way. Uh, and somebody actually asked that, I think later on, but which is, you know, lower body max effort, uh, max effort, lower body effort. Uh, why am I mixing this up? Max effort, lower body day, max effort, upper body day. Then I'll either do a dynamic effort, meaning more, more uh, power speed based lower body day and rep effort, upper body day. And you can switch those up. I mean, basically conjugate is like throughout the week, you're developing different properties on different training days. So, you know, can you do that? Absolutely. And the thing is you could do, you know, three full body conjugate days. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can do it. Um, So once again, I don't think there's any, you know, best way to do. I think at the beginning, it's good for people to do full body workouts. Look, majority of people that, that we get, that you know can train strength three days a week uh which is probably smart for most you know it would be three full body workouts and if if there was a fourth day it would be like working on weaknesses and uh like lower lower intensity and stuff but like that would be (coughs) that would be my go-to uh but once again like a beginner can easily like if they enjoyed doing um conjugate you know training for sure why not now doing you know and even doing splits like lower upper lower upper i'd be fine with i just think with a beginner you want to have more frequency of you know exercises so that's why i like full body because they end up doing you know pressing pulling squatting um changing l- lunging uh, so you know multiple times more frequently which gives which gives the person more practice deliberate practice to and we know that frequency works better when it comes to you know training movements and and like I said, coordination and things that's, you know, stability, balance, things that like really people need at the beginning. So, uh, that, that would be my answer, uh, for that. Okay. Uh, somebody asked if I do intermittent fasting, uh, I kind of still, you know, like I don't, I used to, I did it for about three years. I did like 16, eight and it just worked for me. Uh, now I'm more like a 12 hours, but like, I don't, like I, don't I don't go like, I have to fast X, Y, Z hours. I just like to get up in the morning you know drink some caffeine and go you know uh i mean i have a little ritual as far as like my morning routine and whatnot but like i like to just just go and so i use my my first meal will usually be by around like 1 p.m somewhere between 12 and 2 uh once again i don't look at the time or anything like that i like to do you know uh i love eating breakfast for lunch pretty much and uh and then in between i might have a smoothie but then my dinner is huge and so you know uh I think intermittent fasting can be it's once again it's not there's nothing like crazy magical about it uh that like like I said nothing crazy magical about it, but it can be a strategy that works really well for some but for some it doesn't you know some some people when intermittent fast they they really they actually end up binging a bunch so what to the, you know it's a tool in a toolbox has its place we could go down um kind of the rabbit hole of it, but I don't think you know i I think that you want to go like Precision Nutrition actually wrote a fantastic free ebook. If you go Precision Nutrition intermittent, the guide to intermittent fasting, just Google it. It's free. I don't know how. It's really big. It's really in depth. It's it's phenomenal. Plus,es minus cons, everything else. Um, and if you really want to get like put it this way, much much more in depth and a very objective opinion on it with a lot of data from that I could even cover right now. Right. Uh, So, if you're interested in that, I'd certainly go into that. Actually, is very, very grateful that you know one of my close friends is is uh, Dr. John Berardi, who started Precision Nutrition and uh, was uh, out there in Arizona for a visit with him and a fan, which was phenomenal time. We were able to chat about a lot of stuff uh, and talk about how they create these resources. And I promise you, I mean, they put them out for free, and they're absolutely great, absolutely great. Um. So. Let's see a couple of like Jack's Fit Academy asks, what's the one thing about business life that you wish you knew 10 years ago? Oh, I'm going to take a sip, a sip of this before because I, I, I didn't get ready for that one, just so you guys know. <sighs> hmm. Hmm. You know what? And maybe the Times, maybe, maybe the Times. Look like are making me give the answer, okay? But because I, you know, in my life, I, I'll, I'll be, I'll be very honest here that like I didn't always, you know, um, stick to my values, or maybe I did, but I just, I, I just bullshit about what my values were. Maybe out loud, I'd say what my values are, but then I'd break my values because I was, you know, I let ego get in the way. Um, I was too selfish and i i would you know number one thing about business life that i think i tell myself today is that no matter how hard shit gets choose to do the right thing and the right thing to me is obviously that what is that i mean that's integrity right that's character that's living by your values um which i proudly say now i mean look i'm far from far from perfect i fuck up a lot still (laughs) don't get don't get it twisted um, but but you know, I make the hard decisions that are right. That short term will hurt, but it's right. It's right. Where I could avoid them in short term, it wouldn't hurt. But boy oh boy, would it like come back after me, right? Like, uh, and and so, right now we're going through a, a challenging time as individuals, as businesses, and more so than ever, right? I, I love this kind of phrase chaos reveals character and it's revealing it right now you know and some people are going to step up and you know live their values and live in integrity and live in character and down the line that's going to really pay off but but I think li- listen when i say it's going to pay off as a business I, I think what's even more important is that you can go home and look at yourself in the mirror and go like man i did the right thing you know and i knew i, I knew a, lo- a lot of life where you know I, I came home and I couldn't look at myself in the mirror but you know it, it it was like on on the outside maybe I was making money and remember too I was an organized crime like I, I yeah I was making money as a you know as a teenager doing dumb shit right but you can't you know but that's the thing is you can't go home and look at yourself in the mirror and go like man I'm really proud of what I did today I did the right thing today no you avoid that you avoid the mirror right and then there's times there's hard times and I've been through you know a lot and in, in going through some hard times right now. And not even just um, obviously any business, any small business is going through a hard time right now. Uh, but even with per- personally, uh, I'm going through some, some things with, you know, family in Slovenia, our, our business there is going through a hard time and um, just, just personal stuff that like, uh, once again, like all of you have and will con- will go through. I mean, it's just life. Right. And, but, if you can go home and at the end of the night go like, man, I, I put in my best effort today. I treated people right. I lived by my values. I lived in my character. Um, man, it, I promise you there is something about that that gives you peace, um, even peace in a storm. And so if I could go back, and obviously you can't, and all the fuck-ups made me who I am, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for them. Um, I, I would say that, and that's very difficult. It's really, it's really easy to say it here as a tagline but living that shit oh man like the harder things get the harder it is to live because the easier it is to get the way out oh man i'll just i'll just cut this corner you know i'll just do this Eh, you know and then you start getting into the gray area and like convincing yourself that it's right i mean i did that a lot right like i mean when you're in crime like you every day you convince yourself that things are you know you're doing it for the right reasons and um but but that's a that's a slippery slope right yeah it's a slippery slope uh, building performance asks, what did the training split look like lately so I answered that one still on conjugate you know pandemic aside I mean I look I'm gonna I'm, I'm be honest with you guys like that I live at the gym uh, that's my quarantine pretty much <laughs> I go home I go home and sleep but I'm here I shoot videos I do virtual stuff I, I work 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 um, I get my training sessions in so not to rub any of this stuff in at all uh, there's upsides and downsides to it right and uh, uh, Galo GG Fitness ask uh were you scared coming to a place with nothing and starting from zero, uh, from what you've built now? Talk about you moved to Seattle and started from a commercial gym to build that. I've talked about that before, but let me tell you something, man. Like, a little pause there. Because when you've built something and you've put in and sacrificed a lot, it's... You know, you have more to lose. Right? And and that and you have to be careful about the mentality of holding on too strong. Like I I think this is a, a business lesson, by the way. Um, I think it's a business lesson as far as when you when you actually built something, whatever it may be, and you start getting afraid that you'll lose it, and you just hold on tight and you don't do the things that you did when you started from zero, which was, you know like, the nothing to lose, like, I'm going to innovate, I'm going to push, I'm going to challenge myself, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone, um, you got to you gotta make sure that once you've built something, you, you kind of, this might sound a dichotomy, but, like, basically, you have to have built a foundation of security enough, like, for instance, like, in these times, thankfully, I've done some things to put us in a position where we do have some security, right, I mean, obviously, you know, how long will this go, and there's a lot of other questions and whatnot, but, I thought about this, right? Like, hey, if, if shit hits the fan, can we weather the storm? And let's prepare to weather the storm. But the other side of it is also being like, I'm going to continue to be get uncomfortable and challenge the status quo, challenge myself, challenge the team, you know, push to places that we haven't gone, anybody else hasn't gone, right? And so I think you got to keep that mindset. That's a way of life. I think that's a way of life versus a, a period of, of time. Um, so I, you know, with that question, I, I think that, you bring that up, you know, you say, were you scared? I think that, you know, fear, f- fear is, um, is interesting. We all feel fear. We, we, we absolutely, do. I have fear now, right? But courage is what overrides the fear, right? And fear also, you got to understand, like, what, it, what is it doing? You know, I, 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 I love stoic works. I've, you know, read everything from Socrates to Epictetus to the meditations by Marcus Aurelius to, I mean, you name it, right? Um, so, which I, I highly recommend you do. I highly recommend you read all of Ryan Holiday's books. You know, Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, Stillness is the Key. Those three books, which are all centered around, uh, basically, uh, Stoics and, and the way that they operated. You know, Stoics would always, would always I would say, um, ask themselves these questions, right? Like, in about, for instance, about fear. Right? How do you operate in fear? And what is it doing, right? So it's actually I'm pulling up a note here. We're, we're uh, this is actually Seneca. We're more often frightened than hurt, and we suffer more from imagination than from reality, right? And for example, right, maybe you're facing a difficult conversation you put off for months, or you're about to go on a journey on a new project that tests your limits. Like I would say, for many, that might be this time, right? And I say new project, but a new project could be just this new way right uh, it could be a job change moving to a new city starting a new relationship or anything that provokes you know fears and anxieties that essentially just i don't know freeze you in your tracks pin you down uh you can you know suddenly feel trapped uh, as as the situation unfolds so it's it's a timeless truth that many of the things that we worry about never happen how many times have you know and th- this is the thing about fear right like that that I'm bringing up right now you asked you asked about where you scared? You know, and fear becomes like this magnifying thing where you're like, "Oh man, is this even gonna happen?" Is is uh, it, you know, here's worst worst case scenarios. Which, by the way, by the way, I do feel. So, do you know how you overcome some of the fear? This is uh, Tim Ferriss was just talking about this, but I've done this a lot. Actually, it's a, it's a practice for it, but it's playing out my fears in my head, like worst case scenarios, right? Because people would say, "Well, don't do that," but. The thing is that, if I do it, I desensitize myself to the worst case scenario i'm like okay well that's that's horrible and shitty, but I can get over that right now now it's like I've already played it out now I can go back to reality and just work on creating the best situation possible right and i and I feel that the more that i've and you can practice this right because like fear can really really cloud your reality and Just like any other, you know, extreme emotion, you know, such as anger, jealousy, whatever, right? It will cloud your vision and it just, it will really obscure what's really going on and then it can paralyze you, right? So the question is how do you get back control Uh, and, you know, take back control and, and be able to face whatever's next, right? So... The pre, So this is what what I was talking about. It's called the premeditations of evil. So I'm pulling up some of my old notes, right? What's the worst that can go wrong? What's the absolute worst that can go wrong? Study it. I did it when I bought this building. Uh I was like, man, you know, here I have uh, saved and accumulated and, and done well and and now I'm gonna risk it all on buying, you know, the Vigor Life building and, and going into this project where I literally have to put everything on the right line, right? And I went through this premeditation of evils I you know I was like what's the what could go wrong what's the worst that could happen and trust me a lot can can go bad and a lot did go bad right and then the thing is you got to feel it in your bones you got to feel it in your skin you got to understand what it'll look and taste like I'm dead serious like you have to think about it and like dream it like you would dream a positive thing it's a good thing feel it in your bones feel it in your skin And now, the thing is, now that you've removed the surprise and some of the fear, now you've ready yourself for the worst. And Seneca put it best, right? The man who anticipated the coming of troubles takes away their power when they arrive. Pause right there. That's powerful. Take a sip. Mm. Man, that's why I love stoicism, man. Those guys, so much wisdom, right? The man who has anticipated the coming of troubles takes away their power when they arrive now comes the preparation right what can you do to prepare yourself what options do you have when the worst happens like that's i'm I'm asking you right what what are the options you have when the worst happens how can you prevent it from happening what can you do to today to reduce the chances of the worst thing happening if it does happen how can you bounce back write it all down on paper and think it through right write it all down think it through like see the thing is like these questions First of all, like these questions, I'd rather give you principles of living life and operation, like so that you can operate rather than like a tactical thing that you can use one time in one situation. Fuck that! Like there's a principle. This is a, this is a this is a way to view stuff, right? So, go, getting back to this, so these steps: clarifying your fears, imagining the worst case scenario, brainstorming and strategizing to prevent whatever may come, are the key tools in a lot of, I would say, really successful entrepreneurs um, toolboxes, right? So it, it, it's, a, it's a tool in a toolbox that you must use. Maybe I flipped this on you and you're like, oh shit, I didn't know he was going to give me that advice, right? And, but you got to embrace this practice. Like think of Cato. Cato was another of you know, the preeminent Stoics. He'd walk around barefoot with like minimal clothing in, in heat and cold, and the question is like, why? Well, he was training himself for a life in which he might have to experience poverty, right? And now, he's here's the deal. He was a Roman aristocrat, meaning money. He had money, right? He'd be probably never become completely broke. But he, but he didn't want to fear it at all. So he lived in like brief increments, just like short time periods, this penniless life. And the thing is, that exercise gave him an uncommon strength, the ability to, to have experienced and prepared for and thought about a trouble that, you know, robbed the trouble of his power from him, right? Because he was like, fuck that. Like, this thought is not gonna rob me of this power. I'm gonna live it and then it doesn't matter, right? Think about that. Like, like, soldiers know how to shoot to kill, so why do they train for being on a receiving end of gunfire? Why? Right? It's the same reason a company does war gaming against its competitors. It's the same reason football players practice fumble recovery and give reps to their backup quarterback, right? When you can study and learn for what's failed in the past or prepare for what might fail in the future, you reduce your fear. Firefighters, like firefighters train night and day to end their, you know, burning buildings. Police officers shoot hundreds of rounds at firing raiders to make sure that they're ready when shit happens. Special operators around the country train for hostage situations, playing it out over and over and over again, you know, the remotest possibility of, of somebody capturing their own. Preparing for what may come is how you know entering a situation that's, you know, full of uncertainty and chaos that you're ready. That you've done your best preparing. This is how you take control of your fear. So, you know, hopefully, like, think of practice. Okay, I think this is another great analogy. Like, think of practice as immunity, right? Immunity to fear, immunity to weakness, immunity to your own sense of doubt and hesitation. Practice even what you think you can't do. And you might find that you have more capacity than you thought that, that was possible, right? So, in, in short, <laughs> I, know, like I, I go on rants because I feel like stories are so powerful. Oh, fuck. I'm getting excited, damn it. Ah, so, uh, in short, right? This is, a, think of it as a blueprint that will require you to take control of fear. One, what's the worst that can happen? Write it down. Feel it. Number two, ask how you can prevent it and then journal all the solutions possible. Number three, practice reduces fear. Do whatever is necessary to know that you've steadied yourself and prepared for, for whatever is coming with all your effort, right? And you've probably, you know, and in, in to finish kind of off my thought around that is uh, you probably heard nothing to fear but fear itself. Um, but and you've heard that from maybe the the speech but the full line is actually worth reading because it applies to many difficult things that we face in life. So I'm going to read the full line for you. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself, nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. Right? So that's that's the whole that's the whole speech there. Right? And the, the Stoics, which is what I wanted to bring out, knew that the fear was to be feared because of the misery it, it creates. The things we fear pale in comparison to the damage we do to ourselves and others when we essentially scramble to avoid it. You know what I'm saying? Right? But it, it, like we're in economic depression right now, right? And economic depression is bad. Fuck it's bad. I mean, I'm like we're all going through it. But panic is worse right a tough situation is not helped by terror it only makes things harder and that's why we have to resist and reject it and wish to turn the situation around and that's how you do it now i didn't know that this is where i'm going to go with this by the way um you know the cool thing about it is that like i'll have like a notes in my, my evernote and something comes up i'm like hmm search you know for that specific thing that i'm looking for and, like bam it pops up um but Anyway, so that, that, you know, my answer to where you're, where you're afraid, I'm coughing a little more. Uh, my answer to where you're afraid is, uh, is that, right? It's, a, it's like how to actually overcome fear and some of the strategies I use that I got from the Stoics. Uh, hold on, let me see where we're at with time right now. All right, I was going to go uh, into actually a question I had about. Uh, cardio and conditioning but i will i will do that next time uh what i will do is pull out so one of the things that i got asked was hey you talk so much about communication luca about how it's important uh and like i get it right like i get how important communication is um and i talked actually it was just on brett bartholomew's podcast that's going to come out in the next week or two uh we talked about some of this about the importance of communication, how to improve it—actual practical stuff. Um, but th- this person specifically asked, like, I have a hard time with tough conversations. Um, I, you know, I try to avoid them. Uh, I don't know, I don't know what to, you know, to do when I get in tough conversations. And I've shared quite a lot of books around communication conversations. Crucial conversations being one of them. Um, Radical honesty is another one. Uh coactive coaching is another one. motivational interviewing is another one. How to win friends and influence people is another one like so there's a lot and I, there's there's more I mean I could list a ton of them but look this is so what I wanted to do is is give you something really practical um, rather than uh just ramping on about stuff, which obviously sometimes I do, but where the point, and the ramps hopefully give you a lot of useful information strategies inspiration whatever it may be but here's 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 actual six-step process to mastering tough conversations and um, remember coach k i study a lot of great coaches in basketball coach k said confrontation is simply meeting the truth head-on okay so confrontation is actually great it can be right if you've built rapport now let's go back to this six steps to mastering tough conversation effective coaches and leaders stand affirming, telling their people what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. We know that, right? But the thing is that trust and truth go hand in hand and feed each other. And trust is such an important factor. Another cliche word that's a lot harder to do than say and put in memes, right? But you have to tell the truth to earn trust. And you must have trust that the person is going to tell you the truth. And remember, right? T- time never makes tough conversations easier. I'll repeat that time never makes tough conversations easier. It's not going to get easier when you wait longer. It gets harder and harder and harder, right? You got to confront issues early and you got to f- confront them directly. Now, so let's go through these these, these steps. It's, it's pretty kind of clear. Um, they're pretty clear. I, I think this is a good framework for anybody. Obviously, there's a lot more. We could dive tons deeper. There's, there's full-blown episodes on this but that I've shot, but here it is. Step number 1 is creating a safe environment, right? And and remember, think of this as an ongoing process. I think sometimes the mistake is like that you you did a good job creating a safe environment a number of times, but that has to be an ongoing thing. And and, and it's mandatory if there's going to be the necessary trust required for a tough conversation to be productive and smooth. And just in general, I've talked about the importance of psychological safety with teams in a workplace uh, building quality culture, right? So Think about the difference in, like, food quality between something cooked in an oven and something given a minute in the microwave, right? Real relationships take time. So this creating a safe environment is an ongoing thing, which is why sometimes, you know, maybe you've built a crappy environment and, you know, now you're using some of these methods quickly and you're like, oh, why is it not changing? Well, it's not changing because, like, listen, it's going to take time. Relationships, real relationships take time. And once again, you're trying to throw it in a microwave rather than slow cooking it and making it quality and delicious, right? So that's step one is creating a safe environment. Step, in, step two is keeping it professional, right? It's, it's important to not kind of turn the lane or, you know, swerve into the personal, okay? Confront issues and behavior, not people. This is really important, right? And I'll give you guys some like tactical stuff here, right? But the... You got to remember to talk and address the behavior, not the person, not attack the person, right? Trust that they can handle it and just don't assume what their responses will be like. That's usually what happens is that people go, they play it in their head, what's going to happen? And then they respond based to what they played in their head versus to reality. So don't, like like I said, don't assume anything and don't assume what the responses will be, Okay. Never, never, this is, first of all, like, let me rephrase this. I still do this shit sometimes. I've gotten significantly better, but I still do this shit sometimes, right? Never initiate when angry, frustrated, or disappointed as you're more likely to lose your professionalism in those emotional states, right? Or if you're in a relationship, jealous, or whatever else it may be, right? Don't initiate, okay? Very important. Step number three is be respectful. Now, remember, in-person communication is better than in, on-the-phone communication. on a phone communication is better than email communication. And email communication is better than text communication. Yep. In-person is better than phone. Phone is better than email. Email is better than text. Right? Give the person the respect they deserve. Be honest. Be direct. But with respect and tact. Right? Reduce the barriers and the defensiveness through word choice, such as, you know, can I bounce something off of you? A question. We need to discuss something important because I care about you. Or this is feedback to help you. Notice how, you know, notice how that's respectful, right? Hey, can I bounce something off you? We need to discuss something important because I care about you. Or this is feedback to help you, right? This is, this is versus lashing out and just not being respectful and just attacking the person, right? So number three is be respectful. Number four, step number four is watch your language. Like right? feelings are always valid, actions are not. And just because something's understandable, it doesn't mean it's acceptable. But but because of that, like never assign blame. Use I statements versus you know you statements. So I'm feeling is always better than you make me feel, right? You make me feel blah, 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 right? No, I'm feeling. Like this situation is, you know, this situation making me feel X Y Z. I always like to state facts and then talk about how the facts make me feel, right? So rather than attacking them and like you make me feel this way, make sense? So watch your language. There's a lot, a lot of great resources on that too. Step number five is empathize and clarify, right? Ask for their perspective and then just listen. Like this is one of the hardest things ever, right? The truly actively listening, right? Don't interrupt. Allow them to have a full response, and don't even don't look like you're about to. And it's, once again, this is another thing that I'm telling to myself because I still do it sometimes. When a person is talking, and they say something, and I something pops in my mind that I want to respond, and then I'm almost waiting for them to finish, and you can see it, right? Don't do that. Allow them to have a full response. Intently listened. Don't don't jump into their words and don't look like you're jumping in words, right? And then specifically ask for clarification if needed, right? If you're not clear on it, ask, right? Hey, do you mind if I do you mind if I ask for clarity in one of something that you said? If, most people say, of course. Okay, I didn't quite understand this. Can you say explain that again, right? And then affirm and validate their feelings and intentions without being judgmental, right? Affirm and validate what they said back. Without being judgmental. Once again, even the tone of voice is so important here, okay? And then and step number six is like ending strong, I right? Thank them and acknowledge them for having a conversation. Don't for, and don't forget to take adequate, like just it, don't forget to take the time to process and let the emotion settle. Because anytime you have a tough conversation, it's going to bring up emotion, right? But take the time. Don't like, we talked about not like reacting from that emotional state, at the end of the conversation don't let the emotions make you blur out but take the time and after like the appropriate length of time then formally follow up to resolve and move forward okay so just you know just making sure that like that's something that you're doing that six step process in and of itself will really really help you out so hopefully you just stopped and kind of took some notes there maybe um because that's gonna help you out tremendously um And with that said, I think we're kind of up on, not to say that, you know, I haven't gone longer than an hour and five minutes or an hour, 10 minutes or whatever else it may be, Um, but I could certainly answer a lot of these questions. And I I do, like there's another question that came up about aerobic, you know, me talking about doing some videos about aerobic conditioning and methods and to give a little more clarity about that and like how it's going to be, you know, if I want to, basically the question was like, hey, if I want to build muscle and you know, be more athletic. Like, how is like the stuff that you were talking about going to help me? And how can I do it? And you, you know, you posted about 19 methods. Uh, how do I plug that in? So I wanted to go and spend some time on actually simplifying um, aerobic, anaerobic conditioning and like why it's so important. I don't give a shit who you are. Like, you got to do it um, and kind of create more clarity around that. So we'll we'll do that in one of the next episodes. Maybe the whole episode will be that. Who knows? Um, and I'm I'm definitely gonna. Uh, Got some cool guests coming on. like, you know, I, I, I'm breaking my own rule a little bit, most likely, uh, because once again, you know, we've been on lockdown, and we don't know how long longer we're going to be on lockdown. and I love having guests. and I was at this point in time, I would have already had three to four awesome guests that were scheduled to be here uh, that we couldn't make happen now. So we might just do it over, um, over Skype or over Zoom but still have some quality gear, so the sound will be uh, great. With that said, my friends. Man, uh, I'm I'm thirsty because I'm my, my word count was a lot. Or once again, um, but with that said, with that said, hey, look, I, I really really appreciate you um, for tuning in. I appreciate you for listening. You could be anywhere else. You could be doing anything else. So that means the world to me. And uh, as always, like the things that you learn, do something, take action. Don't wait around. Like if something popped into your head, hit you in your gut, take action. You know what I mean? Like move forward. That's one of, that's my most important kind of tip for listening to this podcast is you actually do something. It can be the smallest thing. Just do something with it. The thing that you learn, apply it, reach out to somebody, communicate better, whatever it may be, uh, be on top of that. Okay. And as always, I really appreciate when you guys share it, when you go in, um, on iTunes, leave a review. Cause obviously that helps the podcast. It helps more people listen to it helps more people get helped, uh, with this, uh, you know, writing a review. I will be uh, I did promise and I will send out. So if you if you posted a comment um, on the iTunes the last episode, which we've had a little bit of a break from, thank you so much for it. I really appreciate it. I'm going to read some of those out next time. Uh, but if you could please email me at Luca, L-U-K-A, at holsevarperformance.com. So H-O-C-E-V-A-R, performance.com. So my last name, performance.com uh and i will send you a little gift package that i promised uh once again i, I know there was a number of a number of comments uh, and uh and reviews there so we'll get that out to you uh we'll get a uh, martin rooney's new book john berardi's book and some ladder stuff out too and i appreciate you for that like i said we're going to be doing more of that with that said have a great one coach luca is out peace